You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate, we are in the series called Red Letters. So excited about this because we're going right to what Jesus said. And as we get into what Jesus said, today I want to talk about what Jesus specifically says about the expectations that you can have for your life. Basically, he says that he's come to give us an abundant life. And we're going to press into that. And we're going to understand how actually we can begin to misunderstand what abundance looks like and the specific key that unlocks for us an understanding of Jesus's abundant life. This week, I did something that was both a massive adventure and an epic failure. Um, During COVID, I began to look up these, I began to get really into these, um, these basically dirt roads and these paths that go across the west, west coast that are in some of the most picturesque, amazing places. And you can only get there through, um, through getting off these roads and being able to get into nature. And so I decided I want to pursue that. So uh, I began to acquire the right, um, right vehicle with a motorcycle and all the, all the stuff to be able to get out into that. One of the most significant um, trails is a trail that goes across Idaho and it ultimately ends up in Montana. And so this last week, um, my family was in a place in Idaho and I began to look at a map and I began to recognize, hey, I can go and do this epic session section of dirt and I can be going to, to go to this, uh, basically this, this path that has like incredible vistas, it has cliffs, it has a story about people who were massacred and thrown off a cliff. And so all of that was like incredible. And I'd watched about 20 videos um, over the last two years of guys that had ridden this and my expectations were just sky high. So I put everything together. I loaded up my bike. Um, I began the journey. There was amazing viewpoints on the way. But then when I began to get there, um, I began to recognize, man, there's no one else that's doing this. And, um, and as I began to ride further, it began to be clearer and clearer what the issue was. There was trees that had fallen across the trail and there was guys that were cutting those down. I was navigating around those, pulling trees off the trail. But ultimately, I get to this place, and again, it is on you know, the beginning of July, and in my head, there's no reason that snow would still exist in the middle of July, but I was totally wrong. I hit this section of snow and um, try to navigate through it. I dump my bike. It is, it is crazy going. But finally, I get to the top of the first pass, and at the top of the first pass, I meet a group of people that had come from further down the trail. And the news that they told me is this, there's no way you can get through. You have to turn around and you have to go back. And I begin to just press them and begin to say, okay, is it like trees that are in the way? They're like, yes. And I begin to say, well, I have a, I have an ax. I can get through these trees. Not even thinking in my head how big these trees would be. Um, but then they said, then you're going to get to a pass and it's going to be filled with snow. And on, you know, this, this pass is going to, it's like five foot of snow. And I begin to say, I have a shovel. I can dig a hole, I can dig a tunnel. It's like, how long is the snow? And um, I think they began to understand what I was talking about and they said, it's two miles long. And I began to realize, yeah, there's no way I can dig a two mile snow tunnel to get through to Montana. And so that ended my day. And I began to think about that idea of this expectation that I had that this was going to be this 
epic adventure and having this thing that I'd seen and played out in my mind and then my actual experience was nothing like what I thought I was going to experience. And I think about that as we navigate life, even kind of metaphorically, to be able to think about, hey, this is what I'm thinking my life is going to be like. This is how it's going to play out. And then I begin to live in that. And that gap between what I expect and what I experience, man, that's where sometimes that disappointment rises. And I want to press into that because I think in that, that is a key aspect of, are we happy? Do we enjoy our life? And today I want to press into not just what we think about this, But what does Jesus say about this? So if we're looking at the red letters and saying, Jesus, we want to know what you believe about this, then this is one of those key things for us to understand that in this, we think we know what we want. We expect something, but what really brings us joy is something that's pretty different. And wisdom is really helping us to understand the difference between what we think we're going to enjoy, what we think is going to bring us happiness and satisfaction, and what we actually experience in life that ultimately brings us the deepest amount of joy. And what we're beginning to see is the world is learning the hard way. Over the last 10 or 20 years, we've been on a pathway towards an increased Uh, secular understanding of the world. Ultimately this, the savior of the world is going to be some progression towards an ideal state. And that ideal state of existence is ultimately that thing that we will be able to um, it'll bring us happiness. And so if we can only change this social thing or this political thing, then we will get to a place. And what we're beginning to see is that things are moving towards that. There's all this progression. But as we get to this progression towards these end goals, what is happening is the very opposite of what we are trying to achieve. It's like this same idea of following something and believing it's going to be a savior, but the savior ends up being a dead end. Now, this week, um, Gallup Polls Research Institute came out with a new report on the overall emotional state of the world. And so it takes in uh, this vast amount of data to be able to put this together and to be able to say, are we getting happier? And this is what is fascinating. The overall sense of them putting together positive experiences and negative experiences and beginning to weigh those things and begin to say, what is more significant in our lives? What we're beginning to see is that we are experiencing more negative experiences than we are positive experiences. And the negative experiences are growing to be able to lead to this. I want you to check out this chart. Basically, this is a negative experience index, and it points to this global rise in unhappiness. You see there from 2006... All the way, we begin to see this progressive rise um, from 2015 to 2021. And it seems like it's getting steeper and steeper as you look at this, that we are seeing this progression in our world, and yet it is not leading us to a place of abundance. It's not leading us to a place of happiness. And we have to ask, why is that? And as we begin to ask our lives and we begin to say, how do we feel about our lives today? This is where the words of Jesus begin to be very important to us. And we begin to say, okay, when Jesus says this, what does this mean? So I want to take us to John 10. John 10, 10, it says this, a thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come so that they might have life and have it in abundance. Okay, so we begin to see this this thing where Jesus says, 
hey, the, the thief, it comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. So Jesus says, hey, the thing that you should expect when you follow me is to have this abundant life. And many are looking at their lives. If if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're looking at your life and maybe you're saying, I don't know if I'm experiencing abundance. Maybe you're asking, I don't know if I'm, this is life to the full. This is the same thing that, that John the Baptist says to Jesus. Hey, here I am, I'm in prison. Should I expect something from you? And Jesus paints the bigger picture in this. And could it be that when we begin to hear Jesus talk about abundance, we're asking, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I think that's a right thing to ask because it might be one of two things. If we're living a life and we don't feel like we're experiencing abundance, it could be one option that you're saying that you're following Jesus as Lord, but really Jesus is a consultant. And your idea of what will bring you happiness is a hybrid between the works of Jesus and the words of Jesus and influence from the culture around you. And you're kind of putting that together and you're like, it doesn't seem like it works. It might be that you are saying that ultimately you are your own God, that you are going to take these um, uh, cultural cues and the teaching of Jesus, fuse those things together. And it might be that we're not experiencing the life that Jesus has called us to because we're not experiencing exactly what Jesus intended for us. That could be the key. The other key might be that you are going through a door on the way to a pasture. Now, I'll get into that in just a minute. Really, it's the thing that we need to understand that if we haven't experienced Jesus' abundance, it's likely not Jesus' fault. It's likely our fault. We are the ones who should repent and believe in this. That when we think about this word abundance and we unpack this, the, the Greek word behind that, This is what Jesus is saying. And this is what really the meaning of that Greek word is of abundance. It's pertaining to a quality so abundant as to be considerably more than one would expect or anticipate, which is more than or more than enough beyond the norm, abundant or superfluous. This is this definition of this. That this would be this thing that would be considerably more than you would be expected or anticipated. Now, we just should begin to say, okay, Jesus is saying, I've come to bring you life. But the quality of life that I've come to bring you is something that goes beyond what you would expect or anticipate. And this is where we begin to say, okay, what does that even mean? Jesus, help us to understand what this looks like. This is what... um, Jesus uses to describe what it means to follow after him and what we're going to experience. And that seems kind of crazy to us. The world is getting more unhappy. We begin to find all these things uh, and we're experiencing difficulties. And Jesus is saying, hey, the life I have to come to, to bring you is one where your expectations are going to be radically, radically overachieved, right? So we begin to think about this word abundance. And in the New Testament, it gets used in other places. But oftentimes when it gets used, it's describing the amount of grace that we are given. So as Jesus begins to unpack what it means to follow him, people um, begin to say, okay, this is what it looks like. Other people begin to talk about this thing that Jesus provides, this idea of grace. And so you begin to see this abundant grace 
this, this sense of generous grace that begins to really have the rest of the New Testament be able to use this word. And, and it's used mostly to describe the sense of what we receive from Jesus in the form of grace. So if we were to think about grace in a tangible way, and we think about the ocean, here's what it's kind of a visual for us. It's like we're standing on a beach and before us we're looking at the ocean. And this is the amount of grace given to us. Beyond our comprehension, beyond our expectation, this is what is ahead of us. And so it's like the, we have this ocean full of grace just for us. This is this idea of abundance that we begin to live into. This is about this is idea of what we begin to see over and over. And in this, I want to keep pointing us to um, to, to the data, to be able to say there's something that we're missing here. It doesn't mean that you may be more specifically, but as we move towards a secular, more individualistic, post-truth, post-Christian, what we're not discovering is abundance. And I want us to press into why. Here's the key that I want to unlock. And the key comes from Jesus doing a favor and not just penning broad strokes, but being able to define what it looks like to follow him. And this is radically essential. And this is what, for I think most people, they, they think they're following Jesus, but they miss the actual reality of what it takes and what it means to follow after Jesus. So I wanna go back to the verse right before him talking about the abundant life because he clarifies what it looks like. In verse nine, it says this, I am the door, Jesus is speaking about himself. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. This is this defining mechanism that releases abundance. This is this understanding of this. Jesus is saying something that is deeply unpopular. Jesus is countercultural. Jesus is prophetic. He presses on us in our work. He says the pathway to abundance requires a specific choice that you choose Jesus or you choose anything else. There's no hybrid in this. In a world that wants to put everything together and say, well, if that works for you, well, this is what I believe, right? There's no, this is what works for me in this. This is kind of this idea. Jesus is defining a choice that is either Jesus or something else. He says, I am the door. There is a door. It starts with salvation, that salvation can only be found in Jesus Christ, that there's not multiple pathways up the mountain to be able to find something. Jesus is saying, to understand my message, you can't just take part of my message. To understand what I'm about, you can't just be influenced. And so there's a lot of people who are influenced by Jesus and I believe that the influence of Jesus does not determine the abundance of Jesus. It is the radical lordship of Jesus that we begin to say, I'm going through this door and there is no other door. This is how we get to the moments of abundance that Jesus says, this is not just about the state of your soul, but the condition of your life. He talks about, hey, this I've come to bring you life, but I'm going to bring you life in abundance. So it's not only the pathway to Jesus that is through the door, but is the pathway to the way that you live your life. 
So the idea here is that there's a door that we enter and that door is a specific door and there could be no other door than that, but that begins to be open to this next thing. And so Jesus's understanding of the abundant life is with the narrowing of options. It is removing the things that will ultimately be proven through wisdom. These are these dead ends and our world is finding dead end after dead end after dead end. And here's the thing, you can keep living your life and you can keep finding the dead ends in your life or you can say, I trust you, Jesus, that when I go through this door and I eliminate all these other options that I will find abundance. And this goes deeply against what we typically see is abundance, that we are deeply motivated by our own sense of self-determination towards discovering how to achieve our own desires. But here's the problem. Your life is going to end before you find out all the dead ends. See, here's the thing. You could find out all these things and be able to say, I did it my way, so Frank Sinatra says, right? And I figured out all these things, but Jesus is saying, I can allow you to have life in abundance right now. Mark Sayers um, addresses this problem. He says this, our culture is depleted and burned out because it rebels against the God-given limitations placed on it. Individuals are depleted because we refuse to live within the fields that God has given us. Instead, we burn ourselves out by seeking greater freedom and autonomy. Again, Freedom, autonomy. These are not just expectations. These are rights. But these rights are creating these pathways away from abundance towards unhappiness. The graph is telling us this. Jesus says, I've come to bring you life. I've come to bring you abundance. While, how is he going to do that? Through the door that only goes through him. Happiness comes not from pursuing freedom at all from all restraints, but finding freedom within God-given restraints. It's not freedom from, but freedom for. So here's what Jesus says awaits. It's the imagery of a pasture, that you go through a gate, you go through a door, and then all of a sudden you get this, this freedom on the other side. That there's this sense of being able to say, now in these defined limitations, you have this freedom. And I want to say to you, what seems like limitation is actually freedom. I think about this. Um, when you limit your option, there's a specific door, but on the other side, you have freedom. And that counterintuitive sense is something that, um, that we begin to really look at and say, I'm not exactly sure I believe that. But I remember as a kid, um, I had a friend and I had a friend with a four-wheeler and I had a friend with two four-wheelers and that's the best friend you can have, right? So we would go out and we would spend hours um, riding these four-wheelers. Now, what we had to do is we had to go through a specific gate. And once we got through this specific gate, it was a pasture and it was, um, it was dozens of acres and this pasture basically had a fence around it, right? And that fence kept the cattle in, and most of the time it kept wild animals out. But here's the thing. We had this reality that we had freedom as kids to go and explore this entire pasture. Why? Because there was limitations. Like there was a sense of like, we're not going to get lost. There was a sense of there's things that can't get to us. There's a sense that our parents, it's like, yeah, 
you can go anywhere in this because there's a definition to the limits of that. And we went through the gate that defined this boundary. And then when we're in the boundary, we could explore this whole thing. And I promise you, this was an incredible experience growing up, right? So we would go and we would spend all day and we would come back exhausted, out of gas, right? Um, from being able to have these experiences, but that the gate defined the freedom that we had in that. Now, if we were just to say, we're just gonna go riding off into to someplace, we would have been really burdened with being able to say, hey, do we know where we're at? Do we know how to get back? Um, where's this going? What's gonna be out there? What do I know and not know that's out there? And that would have been fun. The freedom was defined by the gate that we entered through over and over what we begin to see is this reality that Jesus defines. Through the door, there's so much more. Just say that with me. One, two, three. Through the door, there's so much more. One more time. Through the door, there's so much more. Now, I know that's cheesy, but I want you to get this because you're going to have these moments where you're going to be like, oh, I want my freedom. I want my autonomy. I want to explore. I want to pursue these desires. And for you to have this moment where you begin to ask, is this abundance that Jesus defines, or is this abundance that the world defines? And for us to be able to say, man, at the very beginning might look like a limitation is actually the pathway to abundance. Through the door, there's so much more. And I want us to get this, this reality because as we look at what does it mean to live lives of abundance, we begin to see some of this. So, so let me just kind of paint some pictures in three different areas. And these are just money, sex, and control. We think about what it looks like when we talk about sexual abundance. And we think about when we look at the world around us and the world around us is saying, hey, um, you can make all these choices. You can choose your, your gender. You can choose your sexual preference. You can choose um, you know, anything and anyth anything you want. You just define whatever it is that that's desired that's within you, and ultimately you just have to follow after that. Now, in that, what that looks like is, is this, any door that you want, that there's not a specific door. But what we begin to see is that when we see the ways of Jesus and being able to say, hey, this, this is actually what you're after. What you're actually after is having a relationship with someone who ultimately is committed to you that you find safety in, being able to understand your identity in Christ and then allowing all of that to be able to form every other identity and being able to have comfort in that and being able to say every identity aligns with Jesus Christ, to be able to say this is what it looks like. And there's some things that in this is saying, hey, this is off limits that you don't do that. And, and the world looks at that and said, how can you be so narrow? How can you be so limiting? How is it that that is judging someone who if they have a desire, they can't follow after this desire? And over and over, what we begin to see is that as we're following these desires, it's not ultimately getting there. So the sense of us being able to go back and say, maybe Jesus was right. Maybe when he begins to say, hey, this is the door, to be able to say, this is what marriage looks like. Hey, this is what it looks like to be defined in, uh, in your gender. This is what it looks like to be defined by Jesus and all of these things that ultimately look like limitations, but are ultimately pathways 
to freedom. And the, the question is, do we have the wisdom to be able to say, maybe there's something that brings us joy that we can't even understand. And we might have this desire, but it's not always the following after our desire that leads us to the thing that satisfies us. So we see in our sexual relationships and our understanding of our identity, we begin to see these limitations, but I want you to get that within those limitations, what I've seen over and over and over, that when people in their sexual relationships simply follow their desires, it doesn't lead them to the pasture that they want. It doesn't lead them to the freedom that they want. But you see people that say, this is the limitation. And over and over, there's much more of a likelihood that they're going to be able to say, hey, on the other side of this, within these limitations, man, there's abundance. So I want you to get, this might be a weird thing to say, there's sexual abundance on the other side of God's plans that has some specifics to go through. The other thing is this, we begin to talk about money. And when we talk about money, there's some specifics on Jesus' teaching that says, hey, money will grab your soul. It will put tentacles around you. And in this, when you begin to look at the world to be able to say, hey, this is the lifestyle I need to live. This is the things that need to have. These are the things that are gonna bring me happiness. And it all relates back to some sort of a resource that I have. Jesus is saying, hey, this is that thing that will never lead you to abundance. You might have a lot of stuff, but your stuff will ultimately have you. And as you think about what it looks like to detangle money from your heart and from your soul, what does it look like? Is these limitations of being able to say, you can't just spend it on yourself. You have to give it away. You have to let your money, you have to disrespect your money by being able to say, I'm not going to let it control me by giving your money away, by giving your resources away, by giving your talent away, by giving your time away, by being generous to be able to say, hey, this is what it looks like for us to be able to, to extract them from the control that they have over the, us. It looks like a limitation when Jesus says, hey, give your money away, be generous. But ultimately, this is living in abundance. You're buying something that you will ultimately have a deep sense of satisfaction in, and that is the freedom of money, from money. The last thing is control. And when we begin to say, I don't have the sole control of my life, that these freedoms, that, that I don't have to always be right, I don't have to always have this sense of being able to control every situation. Like that's one of the things that happens over and over to us. We get stuck into these places where we begin to say, I have to be self-determinant. I have to be able to choose my own things. And ultimately what Jesus says is when you open your hands and to be able to say, God, I'll do what you're asking me to do. The world says you're crazy. The world says, you'll never be happy in this. But what Jesus says is that when you walk through this door where there's a limitation on their freedom, you begin to experience abundance. Over and over and over, this is what we begin to see. Jesus is saying, I've come to bring you life. I've come to bring you life that's beyond your expectations. But there's a door that leads to a pasture. There's a door that leads to more. So in this, when we think about what it looks like, I want you to get why you can trust Jesus. Jesus defines this in verse 11. He says this, I'm the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he's not the shepherd and he doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. Then the wolf snatches them and scatters them. This happens because the hired man doesn't care about the sheep. I want us to get this, that all those things, they might satisfy us for a while, but then the wolf comes. Something comes into our life that's a difficulty. And our lack of abundance is most revealed in our times of difficulty. When the thing that we thought we were going to be sustained by, satisfied, find joy in, doesn't ultimately do that. This is what Jesus says. You can't trust anything else. You can't trust anything else except for me. Why can you trust me? Because I gave my life for you. That Jesus says, I've come from heaven down to earth, down into sin, down into dysfunction. And what I've done is I've given my life, I've laid down my life for you so that you might have this way, so that you might have this connection to your heavenly father, so that you might ultimate be, ultimately be redeemed to what will fill you to your depth. I don't run when the wolf comes. And this is the truth, that when the moment came for Jesus, Jesus stepped into the sacrifice. So abundance is not free. Living an abundant light life is costly. But the great news is it didn't cost you something. It cost Jesus something. And you get access to this abundant life. And this abundant life might look differently than what's in your head. But what Jesus promises is at the end, it's going to be better. And here's what you can trust, is that the act of him giving his life was proof that he has you in his best interest. So if we are looking to the world, trying to get something from the world, we have to understand that Jesus provides something so much greater that he gave his life to you to discover abundant life. All he asks is that you either go through the door or not. And resonate, let me press this, that we can't have a hybrid faith here. We can't have a little of Jesus and a little of this world. And then when things don't go well, we blame Jesus. And we say, maybe this doesn't work. The issue here is that we've melded the two things together. And we've said, I want a little bit of Jesus. And I want a little bit of other things. And Jesus says, you got to go through the door. You'll never experience the pasture unless you go through the door. So the question is, are we calibrating our lives to Jesus? Are we calibrating our lives to the world around us? Because the calibration matters. What are we expecting? Are we looking at social media and saying, hey, that's what I want? and trying to say, hey, Jesus, will you get me to here? And I promise you that will never work. Or we're beginning to say, all those things that look like they're shiny, that look like they might be sparkly, I have to realize they're dead ends. But I'll look to the lasting truth of Jesus Christ. It will never disappoint. It always turns out better. Think about my trip this week. I go down the mountain and I'm pretty bummed. 
and I'd had this idea of what ultimately this was going to look like. I had this idea of really what I wanted it to be, and it didn't turn out that way. I didn't get to go to the places that I wanted to go. I got turned around. So I decided to go home, and I was kind of bummed. But as I would go home, I get on a road that I didn't know existed. It was a road that began to take me back to Pullman, Washington. But the beginning of that road had 50 miles where I'm in this deep canyon following along this beautiful river. And those tires that barely got me through the snow because they're really made for the road began to show themselves. And I began to say, oh my goodness, this is incredible. So if you ride motorcycles, one of the most enjoyable things to do is to take and ride as fast as you can on a windy road. And so there I was, I was headed home and I found myself getting into these turns and leaning deep into the turns and going as fast as I can. And then I found myself spontaneously singing 90s alternative music, which is my happy place. Um, and I'm finding myself going through these turns and all of a sudden there's this ridiculous smile on my face. And this idea of what I thought was going to happen, but this discovery on the other side, it was one of the best days of motorcycle riding I've ever had in my life. But it was honestly because I found something I wasn't looking for. And I think in many ways, this might be what Jesus is doing to us. He's showing us an abundant life by helping us go through doors into pastures and to be able to discover things that maybe we weren't looking for. So the question is today, are you discovering something maybe that you're not looking for through being able to say, Jesus, I open up my hands and I give you control. So let me say it one more time through the door. There's so much more. Let me pray for us. God, help us to be able to clearly see where we find our identity and our sense of abundance in the world and not in you. Right now, I pray that you would take and press deeply into our hearts and reveal those moments that we have simply been able to take a worldly idea of success and try to have a spiritual way to get there and ultimately find ourselves lacking in abundance. So I pray that our church would be people whose lives would be over the top abundant that they would be able to experience a life with Jesus that is far more than they ever expected. Make it so in your holy name. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting resonate.net.